Well, you guys have repeatedly asked for him, and now we have him. We bring the great Jimmy Dore to you today. He's the star of several Comedy Central specials, author of the bestseller, Your Country is Just Not That Into You, and host, of course, of The Jimmy Dore Show. You can see the show at YouTube slash The Jimmy Dore Show, D-O-R-E. There is the book, Your Country is Just Not That Into You. Follow him on Twitter at Jimmy underscore Dore. And... Uh, yeah, particularly you guys over at Rumble have been asking for Jimmy, so we brought him on in. This should be very interesting. We'll get right to it. Our laws, as it pertains to substances, are draconian and bizarre. The psychopaths start this way. He was an alcoholic. Because of social media and pornography, PTSD, love addiction, fentanyl and heroin, ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a doctor for sake. Where the hell you think I learned that? I'm just saying, you go to treatment before you kill people. I am a clinician. I observe things about these chemicals. Let's just deal with what's real. We used to get these calls on Loveline all the time. Educate adolescents and to prevent and to treat. If you have trouble, you can't stop and you want to help stop it. I can help. I got a lot to say. I got a lot more to say. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. Again, uh, support Jimmy at Jimmy Door, Jimmy underscore Door on Twitter, and get that book. Your country is just not that into you. A reminder that we have uh, Robert F. Kennedy coming in on Monday. Uh, we have Tuesday, Naomi Wolf, the 18th, and uh, April 25th, which is also a Tuesday, Dr. Asim Malhatra. These are uh, repeat performances by some of our folks that have been very interesting in the past. I want to hear more of what they have to say. Uh, as I said, uh, Jimmy's show can be seen at YouTube slash The Jimmy Dore Show. Please welcome Jimmy Dore, everybody. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. It is it is great to see you, my friend. So um, I want to start with some simple stuff. Well, I got, I got a little flood of ideas I want to talk to you about, but I guess I'll start with this, which is uh, I saw you uh, on a little clip from your show talking about how you looked into it, and lo and behold, you discovered that they had been lying to us about everything. And, you know, for me, as someone who practiced medicine for almost 40 years, uh, I knew there was a problem at the beginning. I couldn't understand what was happening. Uh, I've learned a lot about what they were up to since, you know, the last six months in particular. What did you find and how did you feel when you understood that people were, um, um, well, well I, I have felt it's not so much they're lying. They had a clear cut policy of using fear and it was clear that their belief was you can't handle the truth. Uh, no, they were lying. And um, <laughs> Fauci admitted to, admitted to lying. He lied about masks. He lied about herd immunity. He played dumb about natural immunity. He lied about funding uh, Gain of function research. He lied to the Congress about that twice, which should be uh, that's a felony. He should be prosecuted. But of course, the, the establishment has to prosecute him so he won't be prosecuted. Right. Uh, yeah. So, no, they did. So I knew that I had to take the vaccine like uh, my doctors had told me because I had an underlying bone condition. And at the time, I didn't know that other doctors 
were had a counter narrative to what what the, what was being said in the press and the corporate press and what the government was telling us and Fauci and everybody. I didn't know there were other doctors. I didn't know about the Great Barrington Declaration. I didn't know that they, this is they're handling this pandemic unlike any other pandemic that they've ever handled. And they uh, they're not supposed to do it like this. And so, well, uh, I got the vaccine and I got sick and I I couldn't get better. And as soon as I, 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 I got entered into a study, luckily there's Dr. Yoganda follows me on Twitter. And when I tweeted about it, that I'm not getting better, it's five weeks after my second shot and I'm still sick. And uh, he put me in a study. They were trying to figure out a protocol, how to treat long COVID. And they had a, a theory that people like me who got injured by the vax would present as if we had long COVID. And so sure yeah. enough, he did a test on me and he showed me the biological markers and he said, you, yeah. you present yeah. exactly like somebody who had long COVID. So they put me on a protocol yeah. and one of those drugs was ivermectin. And I remember saying, well, wait a minute, I, this is that crazy horse paste. And he explained to me that the reason why they were doing such a big propaganda push to de demonize ivermectin was because it's uh, it was considered a wonder drug before COVID. They were looking at it to, to actually cure cancer. And uh, if it could treat COVID, then they couldn't get their emergency use authorization. And so when I found that out, that they were lying about that at the top of their lungs, and then they were also lying about hydroxychloroquine. And then I'm like, oh my God, they're, I found out they're lying about masks, lying about herd immunity, natural immunity, transmission, contraction. There wasn't anything that they didn't lie about. They lied. They, they, they the fact that and and, and the, my question was, why did it take a politician at the European Union questioning an executive from Pfizer about transmission of the vaccine that we found out they never mm -hmm. even tested for it? Wasn't that in the data? Haven't isn't aren't there teams of scientists at every co college in this country that are going over the vaccine trial data? Apparently not. And we had to wait for a politician to ask another non-scientist corporate uh, person, executive. And that's how we found out they never even tested to see if the vaccine stopped transmission, which means that they always knew vaccine mandates were garbage. And the reason why they endorsed them and lied about them was because they wanted to sell more vaccines. And that's that. Nice thing about uh, guests like Jimmy is I can just throw a little chum his direction and then sit back and <laughs> sit back and, and watch the show. <laughs> and so I, I'm, you said, you, you mean Dr. Yogendra and Dr. Patterson, you mean COVID long haulers? Is that where you were treated or was it somebody else? Yeah, that's, COVID long haulers. No, that's so, it. So we, we've been working with them. Dr. Yogendra and I got together, Susan, well, two years ago. So uh, three, three years ago. So I've been I've been a participant in uh, his world and Dr. Patterson's world for quite some time. And they were trying a lot of different things and they got a lot of good results. But I'm sure what they were looking at was the VEGF inflammatory mediator in your in your as a central inflammatory marker, which uh, mine was way up too when I had long COVID. But long COVID and long and vaccine injury are very very similar. Whether or not the mechanism is this persistent spike protein in non-classical monocytes that migrate into the cerebral spinal fluid. We don't know yet, but that's one of the theories about how this is happening. But I, I want to get back to, um, can I refine some of the things that you um, have uncovered about the lying or the the, the, misinf the disinformation that was being presented to us? Because I've, I've come upon so many interesting pieces of this puzzle, because I've been trying to figure it out for a year, two years now. Like, for instance, do you know where lockdowns came from? It came from, oh, yeah. So there was, Ch China did them. And then 
there was somebody that Fauci had in contact and China, and he recommended they work like crazy. So then that's where that yeah. came from, even though it's yeah. based on no science. So, so yeah, so it was a little, a little, that was, that was one piece. And uh, Caleb, if you could show up the, um, the book cover that shows the graph that that scientist uh, used to convince Dr. Fauci and his colleagues what to do. This is on the cover of a book by Michael Sanger. Uh, called snake oil, I think it's called. And you, but you look at the graph, and you'll, you'll, you, there's no there, there. See that yellow line? That's the graph they claim to achieve with. Like there it is, escalating, escalating, and then flatline as soon as they do a lockdown. That did not happen. That is a lie. There's no, there's no pan, there's no epidemic of any sort on the on Earth of any type that that responds like that. So that was a lie. A, B. They had all just been in that pandemic preparedness war game that you, we all heard about maybe three months before, right? You heard that there was this, I forget what they even called it, this plan of what to do when there was a pandemic. It turns out for the last 15 years or so, there have been a group of professionals developing and grooming themselves for readiness for a pandemic. They're a hammer looking for a nail. This group, and this group is includes a lot of Chinese folks, a lot of, of sort of um, uh, Fauci-esque folks, and these group, this group had decided, they, they actually hadn't decided on lockdown, but they were ready to do their pandemic work. Now, when it went to Italy, this is according to Michael Sanger now, the politicians in charge of Lombardy, Italy, which is where that big outbreak was, decided to lock down Lombardy. They wrote a book about their lockdown, espousing the virtues of the lockdown, not because it improved COVID, nor was that their intent to affect COVID. Their intent was their affection for Chinese Communist Party politics, and they thought, saw it as an opportunity to bring this authoritarian approach to Lombardy. They said it in writing, they said it explicitly, but no one knew it at the time. And as soon as Lombardy locked down, the rest of the world sort of followed suit with their pandemic preparedness, hammer nail folks doing the job for them. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. People and that and the thing is, people don't know anything about the story of, of COVID or how it started and how the ideas yeah. came about or or that there was even a counter narrative to the way to handle it. Nobody or that we've had pandemics in the recent 50 years that we never handled this way. People don't know. That's the problem. People don't know anything about it. But I think I would love to ask, what is the bigger problem here? The bigger problem here is that I've always considered myself to be a lefty, right? A good lefty, lefty, left of the Democratic Party. And I'm friends with a lot of people who consider themselves to the left of the Democratic Party. But somehow when it came to COVID and COVID policy, you weren't allowed to have a different opinion. I, I, I can't believe it. People mm -hmm. who still don't, still who still doubt if, you know, Elvis is dead and if we landed on the moon, they have no <laughs> questions about the COVID yeah. narrative. And yeah. they they know yeah. they, yeah. so I don't know. And I don't, when when did lefties become so non-tolerant of other opinions? When did they start subscribing to black and white thinking? Because that's what this is. And then it's cult thinking, Dr. Drew. That's exactly what this is. It's cult thinking. If you, I don't know much 
much about cults, but my co-host grew up in one and he tells me all the time and he knows all the signs and he lo- and it's exactly what's happening. You're not allowed to have look what happened to John Stewart when he went on Stephen Colbert 18, 19 months ago. And he said that the lab leak theory made comedic sense and he did it in a very brilliant yeah. comedic way. And it was and Stephen yes. Colbert was out of his mind, sweating bullets, trying to cut the knees out from underneath that comedy bit any way he can. He called him. Uh, he said, how long have you been working with Ron Johnson, which is the equivalent of calling him a crack. Right. right? That's what he did right to his right, face. Right. He did it on CBS as That's he was right. doing a perfectly logical comedic bit that was, by the way, killing with the audience. Right. But Stephen Colbert knows where his bread is buttered. So he had to make sure. And guess what happened to Jon Stewart after that? He was on the outs of the cult. Why? Because he had an idea that wasn't uh, sanctioned by the cult. And as soon as you ha- look, they just did it to Leslie Stahl. She interviewed Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene. They just did it to Katie Tour yesterday because she said that the Trump indictment was garbage. And so they all admit as soon as you have an idea that goes against the cult, you are out of the cult. And Jon Stewart has been trying to get it back in the cult ever since then. And he did it, I think. And why don't people understand that history is replete with scapegoating stories like this replete where where when and they and the and the one lesson they could at least glean from history is when the guillotines come out, eventually they get turned on everybody. They're coming for you as well as the people you're guillotining. At least temper your enthusiasm with that. And also to look at grievance movements through history. They end up hurting people by the millions. So I, I think it was, uh, I forget who said this, but recently on my show, someone said, can you ever remember a time, can you look back in time in history when the people doing the censoring were the good guys? <laughs> no. Have, can you ever point to a problem that censorship ever fixed? Of course not. Censorship yeah. is used by right. authoritarians who don't who, who know they can't their ideas can't be tested or questioned. That's why they use censorship. Right. So that's the and uh, and you, a big way to censor people is to use propaganda to smear them. Right now, I don't know what your Wikipedia page right. looks like, but I know what mine looks like because I've been telling the truth about covid and I've been telling the truth about Syria and Russiagate. And these are all cult things. And uh, uh, what how does your Wikipedia page look, by the way, if you would tell the truth? Look at it. I, I don't really know, but I, I'm sure it's not good because <laughs> I, at the beginning of the pandemic, you, you mentioned that there has been previous pandemics, and I have worked in those pandemics. I work, I worked through the AIDS epidemic, and and Dr. Fauci was my hero through that. I mean, he really was very helpful for me during that. I took care of. Th- hundreds, maybe a thousand AIDS patients. It was the darkest, darkest period ever. I worked through the H1N1 pandemic. I had H1N1. That killed 300,000 people. I knew how serious that was. And I just kept saying, hey guys, I said the same thing over and over again. And yet it got bastardized and twisted, of course, with people editing and re- it's never what you say. It's always what people say you say that people get freaked out. That's about. right. So, but what I actually, what I actually said was, hey, panic doesn't make things better. The press is trying to panic you. I see it. It's disgusting. And we've been through this before. We just had a pandemic killed 300,000 people. You didn't even know it happened. So we go from 300,000 dead to a million dead. It's horrible, but you don't have to panic. We'll get through it. We have a great system in this country. And I would say every time, I'd say, listen to Dr. Fauci, listen to the CDC. They'll get us through this. They've gotten me through other pandemics. They've been my North Star. Well, they always leave that part out. And they always have me saying, it's not going to be a big deal. Relax. It's okay. And and by the way, they have me saying, 
um, at the very beginning, people were starting to lock themselves in their houses. The very beginning, before it really even got here, and I and I was saying, "Hey guys, it's it's you're more likely to hit by an asteroid right now than get this illness." Well, that became me saying, "You're never going to get this illness. It's always going to be you know less risky than getting hit by an asteroid." All this BS. Never what you say, always what somebody says you said. You stepped outside the cult, Doctor Drew, and uh, you, you, you the, the retribution is is swift and serious. And uh, that, and you won't be let no in kidding. until you get your mind right. You, you got to get your mind right. So yeah, I, I, it, to, to me, the scariest thing is that, you know, have you heard about what do they call it? The mass formation psychosis. I think that's what they call it. And so I'm Correct. just starting to read about this. It's fascinating about how the, the psychology of this free floating anxiety then gets attached to this COVID thing. Cause the thing is yep. when people who, used to be lefties and all about tolerance and people who question GMOs, people who wouldn't eat food because they had GMOs in them, won't allow right, you to question right. a, a novel vaccine, an untested yes. experimental yeah, medical about treatment that. that you're being crazy, that you're being forced to take the same people who protested so GMOs. They won't, they won't have. Yep. So they, so that the thing about it's the virulence and the, and the violence that people use against you when you go outside the cult on COVID, whether it be lockdowns, masks, vaccines or school closings, anything like that. If you have a different idea, you are out of that. You're a bad person. And they feel that it's their it's their duty and their righteous duty to smear you, slime you and kick you out of the cult. I got blocked today uh, over someone uh, on COVID who was supposed to be a super big lefty. It just happened. And all I did was ask a respectful question. And so there's no questions allowed. You experienced it. John Stewart's experienced it. Eric Clapton experienced it. He got vaccine injured. There's a guy, I'm not into the, his music, but my whole life, I was all I heard was Eric Clapton is this God. I never heard one bad thing about him. All of a sudden he gets yep. vaccine injured and he's immediately labeled a white supremacist racist. And that's, that's the game. So, Look what they did so to the truckers. Crazy. Look what they did to the... In the United States, they can't tell the difference between a freedom fighter and a Nazi. They look at the freedom fighters in Canada and they go Nazis and they look at the Nazis in Ukraine and they go freedom fighters. That's because we're the most <laughs> propagandized country in the world. And people in the United States don't think they're propagandized. You know, that's the thing about like, at least in China, when they turn on the news, they know it's propaganda. They know they're being censored. Yeah. And back in the old Soviet Union, they knew the same thing. But the thing about it in America, there's a handful of billionaires that own all our media. They have all the same interests and tensions and the same narrative and that's narrative control that's all well noam chomsky taught us about it back in the 90s about manufacturing consent rachel maddow chris hayes anderson cooper sean hannity they're not there to give you the news they're there to manufacture consent for the establishment narrative and they do it every time why do they all agree on the big things they all agree on war don't they they all agree on COVID. it's really scary and the only guy who's been telling the truth in corporate media about COVID or or our foreign policy is a guy named tucker carlson who i'm told i'm supposed to hate. And the reason why he's able to tell the truth about COVID and foreign policy is because they already took his advertisers away. And so now he has freedom. The only people he has left advertising is Mike the Pillow Guy and catheter commercials. So he has freedom. And the reason why. And so that's why he's the guy doing way better reporting when it comes to COVID and when it comes to Ukraine, when it came to than anybody else on television. And shame on them for letting Tucker Carlson out left you and outdo you. So I hope I didn't get off 
uh, track, but it, it's all the same thing. It's all about narrative control, and that's what Twitter is. You go on there and all those things. See what they're doing to people like Matt Taibbi, and that's called narrative control. And they all work because they, they know they all work for the same handful of people. And if they they if they get fired from one, it's going to be hard to get. You want to get a bad reputation because it's a really small club, and again, it's owned by a handful yeah. of billionaires. When Bill Clinton in 1996 passed the Telecommunications Act, we had 50 giant media companies in America. When he passed that in 1996, it it brought it down to six companies. So now every magazine, every newspaper, every television, radio show, it's coming from the same six companies. And that's why we have people living under every bridge. 80% of the workers live paycheck to paycheck. Half the country can't afford a $500 emergency. And we want to blame all our problems on Russia. Russia didn't do this to us. We did it to us. You know, they'll send $100 billion for a proxy war in Ukraine right in your face because corruption greases the wheels of government in that direction. And that's why we can't take $100 billion and send it to California, which would fix homelessness. You know, they say you can end homelessness for 20 to $40 billion. Or for $100 billion that we sent to Ukraine, we could have ended homelessness, started it again, then said we were just kidding, and then ended it again. But we won't even do that. This is the end of an empire, Dr. Drew. That's what people don't realize what's happening. We are turning into Brazil like that. We have a 1,000 military bases around the world right now. We have 400 military bases surrounding China since the end of the Korean War. We are the world's terrorists. We just set the world on fire. We're doing this. And by the way, okay, I'll stop. I'm getting off track. Let's get back to medicine. Well, you, 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 you have, uh, I've got like five different topics I want to comment on from that. One is though, you may like what RFK is starting to say, uh, Robert uh, Kennedy Jr. He, he is, mm -hmm. I've heard those sorts of words about foreign policy coming out of his mouth recently. And he uh, announced a presidential bid yesterday. Um, I want to set you straight on homelessness. Homeless, uh, yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Unfortunately, you finished that. Unfortunately, I'm gonna bring up three other, our, three other things. RFK Jr., who I'm a, I'm a big fan of, the guy's got courage like nobody else, and a, a real spine of steel. I just wish he would. He's running inside the Democratic Party, which is unfortunate because he would be better off running as an independent. He's not going to make a difference mm. in the Democratic Party. Mm. All those people who voted for Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton hate his guts. And so they're mm. not, mm. and they probably won't even give him a debate. So I, I, I believe me, if he runs and Joe Biden is right, they're going to call off the debates. And and so I don't know what else get him. I, I wish he would. He'd be better off running inside the Republican Party like Trump because they don't have super delegates and they can't cheat him as easily as the Democrats are going to. And they're going to. And and one more thing about the Democratic Party and the establishment, what's happening with Trump right now, even CNN said this is underwhelming, weak sauce. What they're trying to do is they know that people are so sick and tired of both corporate owned parties, pro-war, pro-Wall Street, anti-worker parties. People are so sick of them that they're willing to vote for a game show host like Donald Trump. And so and they and they know they can't beat him again. So they're going to try and make mm. it so he can't run. And that's what all of this is about right now. And we're seeing it play out. The people are sick and tired of these two, this corporate duopoly. And I wish Robert F. Kennedy Jr. would run as an independent. I bet he would win if he did that. But he's going to get squashed inside the Democratic Party. Interesting. And, and I want to set you straight on homelessness. The problem for the homelessness okay. is not the amount of money. We have billions and billions of dollars available here in California. The problem is the laws prevent us from helping these people with addiction and mental illness. They do not allow us. People like me who can treat these people and restore their lives are literally prevented from doing our work because of the laws. So un until you correct those laws, 
there will be limited impact on homelessness. That's a categorical so, reality. So that's good. I didn't know that. So thanks for telling me that. Um, what what kind yeah. of laws? The the laws are such that you people with brain diseases where they lose their judgment and they develop something called anosognosia, where they don't see what's happening to them, which is a feature of opiate addiction, stimulant addiction, bipolar disorder, and schizophrenia. When they say, I don't want help, you are not allowed to go near them. On the other hand, if you have dementia, a cognitive disturbance with the exact same symptom complex, you're disorganized, you're hallucinatory, and you and I, somebody like me doesn't help the dementia patient, I'm guilty of patient abuse. I am mandated to help the dementia patient with those symptoms. They are taken and helped, and they get help. The ir irony is dementias don't get better no matter what we do, while all the other conditions can be restored to health, particularly if you intervene early, but we are not allowed to help them. We are not allowed to take them anywhere. We're not allowed to even ask anything of them like, hey, don't shit in the street. We are not allowed to ask that. We must leave them to live their best life, period, end of story. And so that that as long as that is in place, it's going to be impossible to really help folks. And they will because the brain the brain disorder of these serious mental illnesses, a or denial. I don't have a problem. And B, I'm doing what I want to do. I like it out here. And C, all I want to do is do, get find fentanyl anyway. You can't you cannot compete with that unless you take people and motivate them into treatment. I am not talking about incarcerating people. This, there's a whole history here. There's a book called American Psychosis that chronicles how we dismantled what used to be state mental health systems that helped us help people like this. We would take them and help them. And this was completely dismantled by John F. Kennedy, who signed the Community Mental Health Act which was set up by the two, the three original directors of the National Institute of Mental Health, who were three psychiatrists, grandiose narcissist, a-hole analysts, who had never set foot in a psychiatric chronic hospital, who believed that psychiatric illness was caused by institutionalization. They dismantled them all. Uh, all the patients were in, all the patients were disgorged to the street the nursing homes and the prisons and they certainly don't belong in the prisons and we've, we've realized that and pushed them back out onto the street this is a statewide state and the constitution does not allow for any provision that allows the federal government to service mental health franklin pierce was the first president to attempt to go at it it was unconstitutional so it was left to the states the Community Mental Health Act dismantled what the states could do, and that's where it started. So what percentage do you know? I don't know if you know, but what percentage of people would you say fall who are homeless are homeless because of their yes. mental illness? So I go out there all the time and I talk to them and I work with them and things. And the one thing every single person on the street will tell you is we're all doing meth. Nearly all are doing fentanyl. And... 85% have really serious either substance or mental health problem. It's so obvious. Now, if you go out and you're a 22-year-old with a clipboard and say, do you have mental illness? They're going to go, I don't know. What are you talking about? I'm fine. I'm fine. But somebody like me that knows how to do the psychiatric interviewing, it all comes out very easily. And, I, and by the way, I've walked the streets with addicts too, and the addicts can really spot what's going on even better than I can. So, though, that, so now... Uh, 
What about, I'm always told that, uh, so there's a statistic that 43% of homeless people actually have employment um, at some point during the year. And um, those people, like you, you, we see stories about those people living in their cars and they still work. I, and I, so, and, and then there's about all the children who are homeless, right? There and is, there so, is, there, uh, which I go out on the street. You tell me if you see any children. You see any children out there? No, right. that's this, what I'm they saying. Confound, so, they confound people with sort of home insecurity and and couch surfing and relying on family and friends and that kind of thing with the chronically homeless on the street. I, what, the thing we are upset about here is the chronically homeless on the street. That is not the mother of three who lost her job. They, you, I dare you to find that woman on the street. You will not find her anywhere there. Chronically homeless on the street. That's a particular population, and that is the one we are trying to help because they are dying and so, in L.A. County alone. Six a day die in L.A. County, mostly fentanyl overdoses. And so the same people who wrote those laws, right, that try to give dignity to the mentally ill, right, so you can't incarcerate yes. them or whatever. Are yes, the same good idea. Also, good idea. Right. But, but they're good also idea. the dignity same people. I'm all about it. Yeah. The same people are saying same that people. your six months old should get a COVID vaccine, that, that, that you have to uh, have lockdowns and that you have to have your two year old has to wear a mask and they shouldn't yes. let kids go to school. So and they but they all come from yeah. the same impetus. They think they're doing the right thing. Right. They think they think Correct. they have uh, the mora morality and righteousness on their side while they're doing that. And that's the most dangerous. That's right. That's right. And if you don't have experience with these things, you don't even know what you're looking at, let alone how to treat it, how dangerous it is, and how much you're harming people with your so-called compassion. So there you go. So how do, uh, that's one so what, issue. So what, go ahead. So, well, well, what should tell, tell me what, like, I wanted, that's like, I want to do something about homelessness and I don't know what to do. And so what, what, what could someone like me do? Like, let let doctors do their job. It's, 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 let doctors, let doctors do their work. Let us, he treat them. Let us put them somewhere. Let us, we need, we, the, the biggest way we could help is to develop more residential treatment programs, expand psychiatric residencies, encourage psychiatrists into the county system, create a step-down program of independent living and vocational rehabilitation. It's quite easy. It's called the Trieste plan. There's multiple plans to do these things in Los Angeles, and they never do it. Mostly, I think, because the development people, the developers, want the money, the billions of dollars that are there to create permanent housing, which is not the issue. It's a piece of the issue, I will grant you, but it's not going to solve the problem until you create th thorough, and it doesn't require inpatient care for the most part. It's residential, large residential programs. It's funny, when I, I when I, I've occasionally talked to people who've made it off the street, and I remember I was on a talk show once, and this kid calls in, he goes, he goes, yeah, I was, I was on meth, I was homeless, I was bipolar. And he goes, I know exactly what you do. We need a place where you can get a bed and some meals and there should be, well, doctors and nurses and social workers and vocational rehab. I go, yeah, that's a psychiatric hospital. It's exactly what we need. We need a residential model psychiatric hospital. Precisely it. Instead, we have outdoor asylums. Outdoor asylums. That's what we have here. So I want to so, one more thing, and then I got to go to a little break here. So what? You'll ask your question. I know you have millions of questions for me, but go ahead. I, so, no, keep going. Keep going. 
I was going to switch the topic because this one I get in trouble with every time. I'm going to be actually giving oh. a grand rounds to a, a group of physicians. They're actually having an effect because they're going on the street and they're using, they're actually treating people. And this is the first physician. These are outdoor hospitals with no doctors or nurses, right? There's only social workers. So they don't, they don't have any experience with this. They don't nearly know how to treat this. And the physician has developed a little campaign, a little group that's expanding rapidly because the need is so massive to go out and actually treat these people on the street. And once they clear, once you treat them, then you can, then they're more, much more motivated, guess what, to go into real treatment, get residential care and whatnot. But we don't have enough of that. We need a lot more of that kind of thing. And we need the the ability to hold people, keep them. They, they, all the patient has to say now is, I know where McDonald's is. I can get three bucks at the freeway exit by holding up a sign and I have a place to sleep. And you can't do anything for them. That's all they have to say. So uh, I got to go to a little break here. Uh, before I do, one last thing I want to say. You mentioned the propaganda and the Soviets. I, I have an image of a 60 Minutes interview from when I was uh, in the in 1970s, when I was an adolescent. And this Soviet uh, journalist was being hammered by somebody like Mike Wallace or someone. He was like, how can you How can you do the government's bidding? How can you knowingly manipulate people? How can you knowingly put the <laughs> propaganda out there? And this guy was like, he was a very smart dude. And he was sort of, you know, deflecting the questions and answering as best he could. And finally, he looked at Mike Wallace. I'm not sure it was Mike Wallace, but let's say it was for the sake of argument. And he goes, hey, he goes, in our country... You need to understand that journalism is a political instrument. In yours, it's a commercial instrument. It will have the same distortions. Not, it will not look the same, but there will be as many distortions because your commercial interest is, is uberalis. And I meant, you mentioned now the consolidation of media, and guess who one of their major sources of revenue is? Pharma. Big so pharma. there we go. We'll take a little break. Jimmy Dore, be right back after this. Springtime is here, and personally, I can get red and irritated skin during these months, especially when I travel. But now I have an extra layer of protection thanks to Genucel Skincare. Genucel's Ultra Retinol, formulated with the most powerful retinol alternative, Bacuchiol, and proprietary MDL technology, soothes irritation and visibly targets red, blotchy skin. And the under eye cream, of course, helps hide the bags and puffiness that you can get from travel and just lack of sleep generally. In fact, you might have witnessed the astonishing effects of Genucel Redness Repair Intensive during a recent unplanned moment of our show, repairing my skin within minutes right before your eyes. That is how fast these products work. I know I'm a snob about the products I use on my face. Everybody knows it. Every time I go to the dermatologist's office, they're just rows and rows of different creams. Retinols, vitamin C cream, under eye cream, night creams. Scrubs. And then when I get to the counter, they're overpriced. All kinds of products that you can all find at Genucel.com. I've fallen in love with this product at a fraction of the price. Visit Genucel.com slash Drew today and check out the personalized packages from Susan and myself bundled with our favorite Genucel serums and remember to use the promo code DREW for an extra 10% off. All orders are upgraded to free shipping. Plus, if you order now, every subscribe and save package gets a free spring spa package with three of Genucel's best-selling spa products ready to try in the comfort of your own home. One more time, that is Genucel.com slash Drew, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Drew. Over the last few months, no doubt you've heard a lot about spike protein, certainly on this program. The reality is once lockdowns are well behind us, we will likely still be dealing with the effects of COVID and potentially the COVID-19 vaccines. 
Therefore, the spike protein may prove to be an important part of our story. With that in mind, I want to introduce you to the wellness company's spike support formula. Whether you've been vaccinated or not, spike protein may be something you have become concerned about. Good news is that there's some interesting research on how to potentially deal with it. Studies have suggested that natokinase and dandelion root are showing some potential in protecting you and your family. Our friend Dr. Peter McCullough and the team at the Wellness Company have the only product on the market that contains both natokinase and dandelion root. In addition to the natokinase and the dandelion root, the Wellness Company's spike support formula also includes natural antioxidant ingredients such as black sativa, extract, green tea, and iris sea moss, all thought to help boost immune health. Go to twc.health slash Drew to order today. Use code Drew at checkout for 10% off today. Buy gold and get a free save to store it in. You heard right, on qualifying purchases from Birch Gold Group, now through March 31st, they will ship you a free save directly to your door. Here's the deal. Fed keeps raising rates because it is the only tool they have to keep inflation under control. But it isn't working. You can't spend your way out of inflation. And you've seen the impact on the stock market. You've seen the impact on your savings. Hedge inflation by owning gold, whether physical gold and silver in your safe or through an IRA in precious metals where you can hold real gold and silver in tax-sheltered retirement accounts. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied customers. Visit birchgold.com drew for your free info kit on gold and to claim eligibility for your free home safe by March 31st on qualifying purchases. Again, visit birchgold, birchgold.com slash D-R-E-W. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. And a reminder, I do not give uh, uh, investment advice and a reminder that also that uh, past performance is not any indication of future performance. Jimmy Dore Show at YouTube. You can find it there. Uh, Jimmy Dore on Twitter, Jimmy underscore Dore, D-O-R-E. And your country is just not that into you. Hey, uh, Dr. Drew, I, I, have get a, back... I have a new... Yes, buddy. Can I tell you, I have a, I have yeah. a new special out. It's called COVID Lies Are yeah. Funny. And you can watch it at jimmydore.com. So that just came out about a couple weeks ago. Oh my God! I would love to be able. To, I've been I've been I've been waiting for the comedians to to get their hands around the tribal BS and to make fun of what's been happening because it, it, some of it it's been so odd that you it's it's opportunity for comedy that's for sure. And John Stewart took advantage of it, but got punished for it. Yeah, well, you know, it at every turn it's hilarious. Like for instance, uh, they wouldn't. They weren't going to release the vaccine trial data for 75 years. Remember that? They were going to, they yeah. weren't going to, yeah. and I was like, oh my God, did Pfizer kill Kennedy? And I mean, <laughs> th this is, and then all the garbage about masks, like if you're seated, you can take your mask off and eat. But if you stand up, then the virus is coming at you. But if you're seated, it's going over yeah. your head. I mean, this, this yeah. is all correct. It, it, it's every, and Nonsense. this is, these are the things people are still saying. Anyway, I can't, yeah. you'll never be able to convince people. It, 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 it's like when I, in the 90s, used to have these arguments 
uh, with people about like evolution, right? These extreme right wingers, right? And they were they were yep. they were against evolution and Darwin and all that. And there was nothing could ever get yep. through. It's the same thing with people. I call them the Covidians. And no matter how much data, no matter how much you throw at them, no matter what you tell them, what the VAERS, nothing, nothing. It's just it's all you're wrong. And vaccines and masks make you a good person. Yeah, the talisman. You wear the talisman. Uh, you know that that signals that you're one of the the chosen. And uh, it was Z Dog that uh, coined the term Covidians and Covidiots, and uh, it was a very very apt very apt description of these different troops that everyone did. And again, I it, these things are really not all one way or the other. I, I mean, for instance, as it pertains to vaccine, I have a very nuanced sort of approach to the vaccine. I. I I believe it helped get us out of that alpha and delta horrible thing we were in, that it was clearly beneficial. The risk reward was clearly in favor of using it for 65-year-olds and older. I'm just not clear for a 27-year-old male football player that it's that COVID is going to have uh, Omicron is not going to hurt him at all, that I should be giving him a vaccine for something that's harmless that might have some problems associated with it. Now the risk reward reverses, and I'm just trying to get it right for patients. So, I mean, that that's another thing that they lied about. They made us think that the virus was more deadly than it actually was. And now even guys they, like Bill Gates, after he, even at Bill Gates, after he cashed in his stock, he made five hundred million dollars off the Pfizer jab. So after he cashed in that stock, now he starts saying things like this. Now he's saying, well, we didn't know at the time that the fatality rate, it was really low fatality rate and that it affected mostly elderly people and people with underlying conditions like like the flu, but a little different. That's what he's saying now. And then he now says also that the, we got to fix our vaccines They They're not good at trans. They don't block transmission. They're not long lasting. They're not they don't cover a lot of things. And I'm like, oh, my yep. God. So the, 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 so we were lied to about that. Right. And we should have people uh, who were younger, especially males under 40, should have never taken the mRNA vaccine. And the average age of death from the covid virus is 82 years old, over the age of natural death anyway. And it's got a survivability rate of like ninety nine point seven percent or something. It's unbelievable. And the hospitalization rate also very low. And you, you had to be obese or diabetic or over 80 years old to be uh, in serious doubt, uh, danger from this thing. But they never told you that because yep. this was a big money grab. It yep. always was. And they got they got yep. it done. They got their hundred, two hundred billion dollars. And now nobody wants to take their boosters. And uh, because they found out that if you take the booster, more likely to get sick from covid than if you don't take the booster. They hid that data, by the way, at the FDA approval meeting. They hid that data. So they've been hiding the data <laughs> left and right. They didn't want to release the data. And uh, right now there's a thing happening called excess deaths. I don't know if you've covered it, but uh, what excess deaths means is that there are people dying above the normal rate of when people normally die and they can't be attributed to covid either. So we have all these excess deaths and son of a gun it's the countries that are the most high had the highest uptake of vaccines also have the highest uptake of of uh, 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 uh excess deaths and they're not having that problem in africa and places like that and so it's a slam dunk what's happening here so i would disagree you're a doctor i'm not but uh i we don't know the effects of this vaccine yet and we don't know if it was ever beneficial if it ever outweighed and we won't know for a few years yeah, Ed Dowd is someone we had on the show, and he's mentioned this data specifically. And and I've always said, look, I I'm not prepared to condemn the vaccine just yet. But why isn't it a why that we have excess deaths 
similar to during the, the depths of the pandemic, and we closed the world down with those excess deaths, and we're literally ignoring the excess deaths now. Why is it an urgent issue to answer what's in those excess deaths? Who Who is it? Why? And what what caused this? Why Why isn't that a... Why isn't that an urgent matter? I don't I don't understand. As opposed to uh, doesn't seem to well, I, there is a campaign right now. Just so you know, uh, there is some medical literature campaigning to suggest that it's all related to COVID, that it's all post-COVID phenomenon, and it may be. I'm prepared to accept that, but it, it's a little too just so that all it seems to all be going one way. That never happens in the medical literature. Yeah. So um, again, who are you going to believe? <laughs> I'm not going to believe uh, the government or big pharma or the corporate media. And what I'm going to go is the people who got censored during COVID. I'm going to go to people like Dr. Robert Malone, Bob McCullough, uh, and and I'm going to listen to those people. Uh, turns out Joe Rogan was right, too. And why is it that CNN never has to pay a price for all the lies that they told about Joe Rogan? They discolored his skin to make him look sicker. They said people that he was yeah. spreading lies. And they always acted like he was just only bringing on fringe, crazy doctors instead of what he was bringing on. People who were the tops in their fields, who were the most researched, yeah. the most public published the most people with the most patents, all that stuff. That's who he was bringing on. Plus, he was bringing on other people like Dr. Hotez, and he was bringing on people like Dr. Sanjay Gupta, and then he would humiliate mm -hmm. them. The pothead comedian who announces guys fighting in cages would humiliate a guy like Dr. Sanjay Gupta. The first thing he got him to do was he had to school them about natural immunity because Joe Rogan says, well, I got COVID and now I don't. And then right away, Dr. Sanjay Gupta says, well, you should get your vaccine now. And Joe Rogan says, no, I have natural immunity. And Sanjay Gupta was like, tell me, what's that? What is that? You know, that thing that our body's well, been doing <laughs> since the beginning of time, all of a sudden, doctor from <laughs> CNN never heard of it. And I wonder why, maybe because his paycheck relied on him not understanding what natural immunity was. And then Joe, Joe Rogan got him to admit that they were lying about ivermectin. Yeah, and and it's interesting that the thing with Joe that bothered me the most, and I told Joe this, is that when he got sick with COVID, his doctor did some sort of off-label, you know, sort of outside the standard of care and by the way, this term standard of care is something I bristle at because I, I've, as I've reported many times on this podcast, I fought hand over fist against the standard of care of the 1990s and 2000s that my heroin addicts were given 90 Vicodin every time they went to the dentist. So, I mean, they killed people. That was the standard of care. And by the way, if you didn't treat their pain as, as vigorously as you treated their hypertension, you would not just be guilty of malpractice, you would go to jail for patient abuse. Wow. People don't understand. That's what they were doing to doctors at that time. They, the attorneys found a way around malpractice to patient abuse, and multiple doctors were convicted of that. They all froze in place. They sent all their patients to the pain management doctors. Those doctors were evangelists. They felt they were there, there to solve pain forever for every American, and they did not know what they were doing when it came to the complexities of pain in various settings, such as in addiction. Anyway, what was I, I was talking about something you said, you're getting me going here. Help me everybody. What were we talking about? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. So his doctor did some crazy thing, not crazy, some outside of the ordinary things. And the press went nuts about the ivermectin, which was one of the least extraordinary things he did. He gave him two yep. NAD infusions. And I was like, Joe, 
I'm curious how the IT infusions go. That's really interesting what your doctor did. That is unheard of. And thank God, he also gave him monoclonal antibodies, which was a very effective treatment at one point in the pandemic. No one was talking about it except for the Florida mental, except for the Florida health system. They actually had mobile units going out and treating people. Monoclonal antibodies turned my illness around in, in a day. And look, that was the interesting part of his care, not the ivermectin. That was neither here nor there. But the press went nuts on the ivermectin. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, well, they did it right out in the open. And that was right around the time that the entire press was pushing that story that people were standing outside with gunshot wounds outside of emergency rooms in the summer yeah. in yeah. Oklahoma with winter coats on and, and they couldn't get seen in the emergency room because there were people who were taking ivermectin who were clogging up the ICUs because they were sick with yes. poison from ivermectin. Ivermectin safer yeah. than than Tylenol. Yeah, and and, and uh, well, hydro hydroxychloroquine is particularly. It's the only medication I'm aware of that I can think of that is categorically recommended to continue during pregnancy. So our lupus patients, I've prescribed it many hundreds of times, if they get pregnant, they are in, advised not to stop the hydroxychloroquine. It's the only medication I've ever heard of. I was wow. just doing a board review a couple of months ago and I was shocked to see that. I was like, wow, I would have stopped it because I didn't know it's that safe. I didn't think anything was that safe, but turns out it is. But this this is the thing. What these people were leaders and journalists. They're, they're the our public health leaders mm -hmm. and our mm -hmm. journalists were the perpetrators mm -hmm. of this. What should we be doing in our relationship? What should we? What should these people do? What should we be doing? What should we ask of them? I, I have my own theory. Uh, you, what's yours? You know, you bring up a great. That's a great point. That our leaders let us down, right? So I look to people. So I. Again, I describe myself as a lefty and, you know, we're all about bodily autonomy, my body, my choice. That's what people said all their life. Right. And then all of a sudden they got a, mm -hmm. they found their their fear point with covid and all their values went out the window. And let's remember what John Stewart said one time famously. He said, you know, your values are there. So you have to follow them when times are hard. That's if you don't follow your values mm -hmm. when things are hard, they're not values, they're hobbies. Mm -hmm. That's why you have them. And mm -hmm. so all those people threw that out the window, people who should know better, like Noam Chomsky, who was a superhero to me really fell down on the job and he told people that uh, if you don't want to be vaccinated you should be isolated from society and then when asked what did they do about getting food he said that's their problem now there's someone who should know better how is it that a pothead comedian in his garage knew better than noam chomsky and the fact that he hasn't apologized for it and come out and made make that's, made amends for that so so people like you and me could have more could, could could maybe take one less kick in the teeth he won't do that that just shows a lack of character and it was a really so a lot of lack of character across the board you know tim robbins finally came out a couple of months ago and he apologized for being a COVID idiot and said he demonized good. people and all that stuff. And I did a video about That's it, got good. almost a million views. One of my most popular videos I ever. Admire people that. would like people admire that people want to hear it. People want to hear people apologize mm. for being authoritarian mm. maniacs yeah. during COVID. And but it was beyond being authoritarian. It was that you weren't allowed to question anything. You know what they would say? They would say, I've seen comedians on stage in Los Angeles tell the crowd, please tell me you're not going to do your own research. You know, before COVID, doing your own research just meant you were reading. So that's how powerful big pharma propaganda and cult thinking is, is that they can wag your finger at you in the most anti-intellectual way while trying to pretend you're the dummy 
for trying to get informed. You wouldn't say that about any other thing. You wouldn't tell, hey, I'm going to go buy a car. Don't look into it. Well, how will I know what kind of car to get? Ask the salesman. He's the expert. What are you, Henry Ford? <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of thinking comedians who are supposed to be skeptics. This is that's how uh, to me, that's the bigger crime is that we we start. They started to uh, uh, accuse people of thought crimes and then you get kicked out of the cult. That's the thing. I don't care what belief you have, but we're also supposed to be able to question authority. It's like a value. It's like it's like they said, Jimmy, if you question authority, you're a dumb person. That's what they were doing. And they did it all through COVID and they're still doing it. So I don't understand how we got to that point. So I, I think it's come from that mass psych formation psychosis that I'm just starting to get informed about now. Yeah, I want to talk more about that in a second, actually. Yeah, I think apologies should be swift and sure. I apologize for some stuff I got wrong early in the pandemic. I mean, there were a lot of things I got right, but nobody paid attention to that. But but the stuff I got wrong, which was sort of the infectivity and some of the more serious aspects of the illness, the cytokine storm, something I never heard of. I apologized immediately for getting that stuff wrong. And by the way, my I always think you should clean up your side of the street. You should do something. So I immediately uh, applied to the uh, physician volunteer services for New York and California. And I went through the whole process of interview in New York. I was actually excited about it. I wanted to work in the ICUs in, in, in New York. I said Florida, New York and California. Uh, California never contacted me. They never, never did anything. But New York contacted me and I was getting ready to go and the thing just ended. They didn't need doctors all of a sudden. But uh, I went through the whole review process and was all set to go to the ICUs in, in New York. Um, but the other thing is, you know, these people who are the, uh, again, as you said, the compassionate, discriminated recklessly against the unvaccinated. And one of the biggest unvaccinated group were African-Americans. Why right. not an apology, at least for that? They, they made it so Afri so black people couldn't go in a restaurant. Are you kidding me? Who are you guys? I mean, it was insane. Nobody's gonna. Nobody's gonna take it. Take a responsibility for that. They should. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. And they no. Don't even acknowledge that it happened. Well, the way they wrecked people's businesses too. Like we all remember that one. Um, yeah. She was a restaurant owner, and they were doing a a, a movie shoot right across the street from her, and they wouldn't allow yep. her to serve yep. food outside. She had an outside cafe, and they wouldn't. They had to shut her down right across the street. A movie a truck had set up uh, about a hundred tables, and they were all sitting there yep. eating lunch outside. And she's like, "This is nuts." Yep. And the reason why that movie that movie company was allowed to do that was because those movies are funded by banks. Who runs the country? Banks do the so the bank had a, a had a financial interest in this movie. The politicians are owned by the banks. They get to have their outside cafe. That lady who owned that cafe that got shut down, she wasn't a donor to the politicians. So that's why she wasn't allowed to run her. Right. Uh, I, I, I heard there were a couple other um, sort of connections there with higher state government in California that got them, you know, <laughs> the movie business and their connections upstream. But back to what do we do with these leaders and journalists, so-called? I, I really I feel like Abraham Lincoln when I call them journalists, so-called, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. during this pandemic. I, as far as the journalists, you should never freaking listen to them again. Any of them. Do not listen to them. They are not trustworthy. They haven't apologized. They haven't. They can't backtrack. They can't assess themselves. Never listen to the leaders. Vote them out. Vote them out. That's it. Vote differently. And to the excesses of the public health commission, uh, public health authorities, we need constitutional or at least legal changes to limit in some fashion this excessive 
excessive authority vested in these people in times of emergency. It, it doesn't make sense. It allows them fiat authority, and we have to have at least some sort of dampening uh, something between that and the people. Uh, I, it's, it, I don't see it ever happening. I don't say, I think people have lost faith in, right now there's a big problem with people not getting their regular mm. vaccines for their kids and stuff like that. Yes, and uh, people have lost people have lost faith in their public health systems and and rightly so you know when i go I see my doctor my doctors all they still have a mask mandate in pasadena where i go to see my doctor and uh, i remember my doctor told me at the beginning of covid they were giving the protocol to do nothing and she started to give steroids to and they, she was told not to she did it anyway and then she was getting reprimanded for treating people with covid yep. and she yep. said you know your patients yep. are dying and mine aren't dying and you're going to reprimand me? guess what? Me? Steroids so this worked. The... Steroids worked. Steroids were good. Six months Steroids later. worked a lot. Six, yeah. Six months later, they reversed that decision and they say, oh, yeah, you know what? You should start using. So they took the, the ability for doctors to practice medicine. They took it away. And why? Because of Big yep. Pharma. Yep. You know, the reason oh, why yeah. there were pain clinics and everybody yeah. would, you know, opiate uh, uh, heroin addicts would get prescribed Vicodin when they went to the dentist. That was because of big pharma. Mm -hmm. Big pharma were able to make. It was doctors a little more complicated. No, 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 no. It's a little more complicated than that. So, so doctors, doctors, we have we get nothing from pharmaceutical agents. We're not even allowed to take a pen from them. We are not allowed to interact with them. We are not allowed to take a pen from them. We're not allowed to do anything with the pharmaceutical. Here's what they did. I, I told you that they had the, the they started sanctioning doctors criminally for inadequate so-called treatment of pain. Okay, so right. now every doctor heard about this. It was mostly in Florida, North Carolina, and California. But so why doctors did they pass got those scared laws? crap. But Hang what, on, here's what happened. So there were no laws. Okay. There were no laws yet. So though okay. so all everybody I knew froze in place. It's really easy to get doctors to change direction. They just get scared. So they all got scared by these these prosecutions that happened. So they then said, I can't treat pain. I have to send all my pain to the pain specialist. Pain specialists were a group of evangelists. You got to understand, whenever you have doctors that are enthusiasts, they feel like they're saving the world from something, watch out. Psychosurgery, the guys that did lobotomy, that was those guys. They thought they were saving the world and helping people with mental illness. It was a standard of care and it was a evangelical movement. It's catastrophic. Medicine is full of evangelical movements that are catastrophic. The pain management, while they had a point, they needed, they actually were doing some good work. They went too far with the evangelism. The drug companies found the most evangelical physicians and amplified their message and got them in touch with all the regulatory agents, the Joint Commission on Hospital Accreditation, the VA, the Department of Mental Health, the professional societies, and they adopted a policy. They pushed through policies. Nobody made any money off this. The policy is pain is the fifth vital sign. Pain is what the patient says it is, and pain is controls what the patient says it is. That was the standard of care. It was not worth any money to anybody at that point. And now it was on. And the drug companies were just duplicitous in the whole thing. Once it was on, then 
they started paying people who were the evangelists to go out and speak about the standard of care that they had now established. That the drug companies never caused these things. My profession always causes them. The drug company breathes a, a gale force winds into the sails of the evangelist, and that's how things go off the rails. Uh, I mean, I saw that um, crime of the century documentary. So that's what I was referring to. Right. You saw that about the Sacklers and. Yeah. Yeah. And they they were duplicitous, but it was already in it was already in my profession well underway with this. Well underway. So this is what, all the all those documentaries. They, they missed what was I was I lived through it. I know exactly what happened. And and they kind of miss what was happening in the practice of medicine. None of them took they, none of them understand it. They couldn't take it into account. So, you know, um, the, the Dallas Buyers Club, you remember that movie? Did you see it? I worked with Dallas Buyers Clubs in the early 80s, and they were wonderful until they were a problem. So once we started having effective treatments for AIDS, the Dial Dallas Buyers Club, now they switch from something giving people some hope and support when we had nothing to offer to becoming a group that said, stay away from those doctors. Their medicines cause AIDS. And that was now killing AIDS patients hand over fist, hand over fist. So that those groups that were so very, again, compassionate and useful and helped give people some hope became a serious problem for about two or three years when we actually did have something to do for patients with HIV and AIDS. Do you, do you remember when um, LGBTQ protesters, AIDS protesters stormed the NIH, and they were they were they hated Fauci. You remember that? I I, I rem they, there was all kinds of weird stuff going on at the time. I was there when we opened the boxes of AZT because we went in that morning. We went from having literally nothing to offer these patients to having something. It was not a good something, but it was something. And if we could expand their life three more months, maybe some more somethings would come along, and they did. It was exactly right. But that was, again, this, it was Spin Magazine. Do you remember Spin Magazine and Bob Guccione? Yes. He, he, spun, he spun a myth that it, AIDS was caused by the Gallo Institute and that Fauci, Fauci was killing patients with AZT. That was his, he should be criminally prosecuted for how horrible that was. It was a disaster. So, uh, okay, all right. I, I, RFK has a different view of this. I, maybe you're going to try to, you're going to want to push that point of view. I was there, no, no, man. No, I, I was there. I was there fighting the fight I on the ground. I, 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 go ahead. Well, the, what, the, the, the story I tell my audience is that, you know, Fauci did the same thing during AIDS. He suppressed early treatments, just like they suppressed early treatments now. And the gay, the gay yeah. community revolted yeah. against him. And then it turns out his big AZT drug was just like Rendemisphere. They're pushing it. It, it was didn't work. And it was they actually turned out. Did, I don't know if it turned out to be harmful. That's what I thought. But uh, yeah. and so mm -hmm. he did the same thing here. So that's why they had to. In fact, in fact, they never he, talked about he, monoclonals. They never even talked about them. Well, we didn't have them then. That's the thing. We didn't. We didn't really have that yet. That that technology really. We we were a lot of a lot of no, hope no, no, for monoclonals, but we didn't have them.
Oh, now I no, know. I mean, Why I'm did they talk about monoclonals? I totally agree with you. Yeah. No, I, I listen. I took monoclonal antibodies, and I and I did a, every day. I did a in an Instagram live, tried to help. Like you people should people should know about this. And what's the first reaction I got was, "Oh, you're special and rich. That's why you get it." No, it was free. The government free. paid for it. They will come to your house <laughs> and infuse you and it keep you out of the hospital. And it's like ridiculous. And, and by the way, the craziest thing anybody ever said to me was, "Were you scared?" I thought I'm. Even at my age, I had a one percent fatality rate. Why would I be afraid of this illness? I, it's a one. Per, when a doctor tells you you have a ninety nine percent probability of survival, he or she is telling you just don't worry about it. You're fine. At one percent fatality rate, scared, impossible. But back to Fauci, I'll tell you what he did do back then. As I reflect back, because again, he was my hero back then, and I keep hoping mm -hmm. he'll revert to some sort of mean that I've known from him my whole career. Um, he he told us to use fear. He encouraged us to use fear. Ah. He kept saying, yeah, he encouraged that then. And I did it. And I did it. I'm guilty of it. Remember what we drove everybody wild with? Anybody could have AIDS. Everybody you have sex with, you're having sex with everybody they've ever yeah. had. And we freaked out an entire generation of young people and then congratulated ourselves for having done so. So uh, mea culpa. Uh, I apologize for being a part of that. That was wrong, but we thought we were doing right. And I was responding to my leader at the time, who I thought a lot of. But here we are again with him using the same technique. But what's interesting, that was a different media era, right? That technique mm -hmm. may have been appropriate where you have three networks or four, and you just have to go out and repeat the same thing over and over again. This is not that world anymore. They, you notice they were doing that this time, repeating the same, what you call lies, over, 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 messaging, same, same, same. That doesn't apply anymore. That is not something that, that works uh, in today's world. Well, I mean, the big lie was that the vaccine stopped transmission. And if the vaccine doesn't stop transmission, then in most people's yep. books, that's not a vaccine. And then you can't mandate someone yep. take that because you're actually not that you're not doing good for the community. You're doing good for big pharma. And that's that. Yep. And I've always said, well, as soon as I as soon as I had Dr. Uh, Robert Malone on my show in 2021, uh, he told me that the worst thing you could do is to try to vaccinate your way out of a pandemic like this, because then it creates a viral escape, immune escape or, and, and that it actually yeah. creates mutations that are more deadly if too many people get vaccinated. Yes. They were told people, Dr. Drew, they told people the exact opposite. They told I had friends get mad at me because they thought I was telling people the wrong thing and that I was going to make yeah. sure that the vaccine, that the virus mutated and became more deadly. And I was responsible for yeah. killing people. This is what people known me all my life told me, said it to me yeah, in my face, said Crazy. it to me on social media and continue to say it because they were lied to that. No, you should not try to vaccinate your way out of this. People still believe that if everybody would have got vaccinated right away, we could have got rid of this. It was never the case. You can't vaccinate yeah, the flu no, away. Never you the can't case. Vaccinate a, no, you can't vaccinate. And so yep, people still don't true. know that. that and we still have that yep. stupid regulation. You know, we had a tennis player just a couple of weeks ago wasn't allowed entry into the United yep. States because he wasn't vaccinated. This is the most anti-science thing in the world. Again, as we wag our finger at what yep. we consider Trumpers for being anti-science, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I, I, and no Crazy. one will ever have to pay a price for it. That you, I think that that is a rather profound statement. I think you are so right in all that, and it it, it troubles me greatly that this could happen again. Canada still can't get in. I want to read something. Uh, uh, one of our uh, Rumble ranters said, uh, "Dr. Drew has a huge blind spot on Fauci and AIDS. Bizarre that he can be so clear viewed on COVID, but just as blind as COVID idiots on AIDS." 
And so there's people that agree with you that I have a blind spot, uh, Jimmy. So so there you go. We, we all have blind um, spots. <laughs> uh, and, and I may, and I may have one. I'm not, you know, I, I'm prepared to, I'm always trying to look at my blind spots and understand where I got things wrong and understand the other side of the table. That That's what's so challenging in all this, trying to understand Can you believe that not one corporate here. journalist has asked any of these questions that we, not one corporate journalist who got a shot at Fauci would say, hey, yeah. how come you didn't tell people about monoclonals? Someone actually did ask him that yeah. once and he's like, I don't know why people mm -hmm. don't know about it. He says, I don't know why it's not talked about more because you don't want it talked about more because you want people to not think that there's a treatment. Well, when Trump got COVID and Chris Christie got COVID, right? And I'm like, well, it's supposed to really affect the elderly and the obese. They, got, they were, mm -hmm. a couple of days later, they're both great and they never told us what they mm -hmm. got. And then we found out out months later that they were given monoclonals that they didn't tell anybody. Either yep. did Chris Christie tell people, neither did Trump. They just like, I'm better. I'm all good. And that's because Big Pharma, which is controlling the narrative around COVID, did not want people to know that there was an early treatment for it. And by the way, if monoclonals were 80 percent effective, that count that counts as an early treatment. How could they keep their emergency yep. youth authorization if there was a I treatment like monoclonals? That's supposed to negate their emergency use authorization. Nobody ever asked that question on corporate media either because corporate media funds the news up to 75 percent that's why you're never going to get the truth from from corporate news yeah it, it seemed i this was, was the thing that i was again bewildered about from the beginning shouldn't the public health mandate be to help people manage this illness and prevent this illness nasal lavage monoclonal antibodies vitamin d what, what all these things that vitamin you do, d you lose some weight exercise yeah there were all these things that could be done and the public health officials were not in any way participating in helping people manage the illness should they get it especially monoclonal it was just very weird very weird vitamin so, d, the so here we are thing like this the reason yeah. why covid attacked the African-American community at first so hard is because they're deficient in vitamin D3 because, uh, because you make vitamin D3 with your skin from the sun. And mm -hmm. so they knew at the beginning that vitamin D3, uh, uh, a low level of that, would make COVID worse. They never mentioned it. They never mentioned it. We are run by psychopathic criminals. That's what Dr. Fauci is, and that is not hyperbole. That guy is a psychopathic hey. murdering liar. Well, I don't believe that. I don't believe The highest that. order. I don't believe that, but but you're not alone in that belief. I do not believe that. I he's been my man for many many years. I hope he reverts back to the mean. But but back okay. to your. I, back, I don't blame him. He back. people are angry, Drew. Yeah, I know. Uh, listen, the tension between the Hippocratic Oath and the Medical Board Insurance Company real? Is the tension between the Hippocratic Oath and the Medical Board's insurance company? Medical boards are not associated with the insurance company, but there is a major problem between physicians who are who are charged with their job of protecting the patient, doing no harm, and the insurance companies who are actually in control of the cases. People don't understand that. I want to comment quickly about your Malone's theory about um, accelerated uh, evolution. It was also Brett Weinstein's concern as well. It, it, I had that concern at the beginning too. It turned out not really to happen. And thank God it didn't. That's all. So I'm just going to say that that thank God yes. was not a, a thing. Uh, but it could have been. It, it, it would have yeah. fit evolutionary biology. So we did worry about that. Um, so Jimmy, Jimmy, we're in the upside down. We've just been talking about COVID and vaccines, but that's just, we, we could talk about almost any topic. And I feel like we are in the upside down. 
what do we do? What is going on? I, I'm, I always thought I was sort of a left-leaning libertarian. Now I don't know what I am. I guess I'm independent is all I can call myself. But I'm, I am troubled by the excesses on both sides. They all sort of drive towards the upside down where things that are pragmatically useful and, and beneficial to human beings beg no influence here in this world. Uh, how do we get back? Or do you have any thoughts about getting back to a world where people can thrive and build and and uh, be in economically engaged and uh, just the opposite of what we're doing now, where everyone is tribal and um, upside down in their understanding of reality? Well, look what's happening in France right now, right? So in France, they tried to raise their, or they raised the retirement age from 62 to 64. And millions of people got in the street for weeks, are they're, they're not stopping. And uh, that's what we need here in the United States. Uh, that, that happens in France, it doesn't happen here. And, and th that's the only thing. So the, the problem is people think the Democratic Party and the Republican Party are actually opposition parties. They agree on all the big things. They all agreed on, uh, they agree on war, they agree on the military industrial complex, imperialism, hegemony. They agree on that. They agree on crushing a railroad strike all right. They agree on. So they're both pro-war parties. They're both anti-worker. They're both in the pocket of big health, big pharma and, and the Silicon Valley. And so that what people need to realize is the Democratic Party is not a left wing party. They are a pro-war pro-Wall Street party. And so we need an organization to go against them. And so when you have people like Bernie Sanders or the squad, AOC, and those people, the Justice Democrats, inside Congress as a Democrat, that's actually a negative because we're not going to have real change and because that makes people think that there's someone fighting for them inside the government. There isn't. Bernie Sanders tucked his tail and doesn't want to be considered Ralph Nader. And so he goes along with every horrible thing, including being a war pig, which he is. He's a war pig of the highest honor and he smears peace activists. That's what Bernie Sanders has turned into. He's a mouthpiece now for the establishment and it's disgusting. And so what we need to there's not going to be change in this country until people lose faith in the system and get out in the streets. You know, Christian Smalls are, are organized the first Amazon union on Staten Island. And how did he do that? Did he, did he, uh, he did it with Trump voters because that's who live on Staten Island and that's who work there. He organized along class lines. People have to realize that we have to organize along class lines. And we had, these aren't left, right problems anymore. Again, when 80% of the country lives paycheck to paycheck, they, these are not left, right issues. When we're spending a trillion dollars on empire and not taking care of our own country, these are not left, right issues. And what they the biggest thing they don't want us to realize, Dr. Drew, is that we have more in common. They want us to blame our enemy for they did a controlled demolition of our economy during COVID. And then they want us to blame our neighbors for the economic pain we felt that only helped a handful of millionaires. And I'm not going to blame my neighbor because he wouldn't take a vaccine that never worked the way they said it did in the first place. I'm going to love my neighbor and I'm going to realize that I am my neighbor and that we have more in common that separates us and we share a common enemy. And that is what scares the hell out of them the most when the left and right come together and realize that we have more in common that divides us that's what's going to really scare that's the only thing that scares the establishment by the way and they've got us pretty divided they every way the corporate media they report every story in a way that separates the country whether it be covid lockdowns or vaccines whether it be black lives matter or kyle rittenhouse whether it be the ukraine war or the syrian war everything they report is a way to separate us and blame our neighbor well we have a lot more in common, and that's my message for people. Your 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 neighbor is not your enemy.
enemy. The enemy is the people who want to take away your free speech and the people who want more war and want to break more unions and end more strikes. Those are the people, the people who want to control doctors like they just passed the law in California, making sure that doctors couldn't give alternative treatments against Big Pharma's recommendation. We got to come together against the establishment and people in looking to government and electoral politics to change things. It's not going to happen. It's interesting. I have not heard the the well. There you go. <laughs> You've not heard the the Christian virtue of love thy neighbor as thyself in many many decades. I've not heard that said in a long time. Which is kind of interesting that you're you're framing this as as neighborliness. I think that is a great way to do it. Number one. Uh, number two is would it not be accurate to say that they are inflating or, or inflaming racial tensions as a way of obfuscating? class tensions so they can main, maintain their elite status. Dr. Drew, that is a bullseye. A hundred percent. You are correct. So what happened, what people don't realize that during the, the Democratic Party turned its back on the working class during the era of Bill Clinton. And uh, people think that he was the lesser of two evil. Turns out he wasn't the lesser of two evil because he was able to do things that a Republican wasn't, meaning he was able to pass NAFTA. George Bush the first tried to pass NAFTA. He couldn't because the Blue Dog Democrats wouldn't go along with it. Here comes Bill Clinton. He mm -hmm. gives cover to the Blue Dog Democrats. They cut the leads, the legs out from underneath the workers and unions for a generation. So that's what people need to realize, right? We got to come together and we have more in common and the Democratic Party turned their back on workers. So now that's why Trump is able to get blue collar workers to vote for a billionaire who never did anything for a worker in his life because they're desperate. I interviewed a cook, a Waffle House cook during the Hillary Clinton, Donald Trump election, a Waffle House cook in Virginia. And he said, Jimmy, we all know that Donald Trump is a loudmouth Yankee. He should have had his ass kicked a long time ago, but he's the only one promising us anything. And so anybody who goes yeah. up and promises people health, you promise people health care. We're the last country in the world who still won't give people health care. People still go bankrupt. I went yeah. bankrupt because I got sick in 2006 and I had platinum health care insurance coverage I was supposed to. So we, the, the Democratic Party turned their back on workers. No political party represents workers, which is why the Democrats and the establishment want to talk all about genders and bathrooms and race and white supremacy. That's not that any of those things aren't problems, but they're overemphasizing those things because they don't want to talk about the class struggle, which is what we already lost. They won. Okay. How many more billionaires yeah. got made during COVID yeah. while everybody got flattened? So that's what people don't realize. The reason why we're talking about all these issues that seem like culture wars is because the establishment wants to distract us from the economic war that is being waged and won by the establishment well, every and, day. And the the maintenance of an elite. The, the, they are really interested in maintaining their status as elite uh, ab above uh, all other consideration by fanning wh whatever they need to do to fan the tribal flames. They will do it, provided that it maintains their elite status. It's it's uh, that more people. May, I hope more people wake up to that. I, I think that's I, what, at least they'll stop listening to some of these people that have so so poorly served us. What I try to tell people is that, you know, what would help black and brown people and transgendered people more than anything. Medicare for all. You want to help them? Give them a living mm -hmm. wage. Give them a, a college education that doesn't bury them under mountains of debt. You want to help those people? That's how you help those people. You want to dismantle the, the prison industrial complex? That's how you help brown, black and brown people. And we uh, that's how you get behind them, not by playing culture wars.
and calling people white supremacists and, and, certainly, and dividing the country even further. Right, and they, they're just taking the status quo and inflame, or, in, you know, sort of expanding the status quo, which is not good. The status quo is not good. It should be that it's the status quo that needs to be dismantled, not the institutions. Jimmy, let's leave it at that. I'd say a very fun talking to you. Uh, I hope to see you again soon. We ran into each other in a restaurant the other day. I hope it's not limited to just that. And you, yeah. you know, I, by the way, I practice medicine in Pasadena. I think I know who the doctor is you're seeing and um, who gave you the steroids, thankfully, or who are giving their patients the steroids, thankfully. And, um, but we still have to wear masks. But I was going to tell you, we still have to wear masks in all the offices here in this area. So, <laughs> and so we still do it. Uh, surgical masks, by the so, way, which have been shown to do absolutely nothing. This is but. called Ask Dr. Drew, and we did have a $10 rumble rent super chat okay. question. Okay. Okay. I gotta, Go ahead. Hold on a second. He, he I believe I answered that, it about the insurance companies. Oh, you got it? I, yeah. Oh, okay. I answered good. it. And I said it's it's well, the so insurance companies it. are in control. It's not the board, so to speak, though there is a whole thing of control by the boards and in, in our in our professional societies. But the insurance companies yield way too much influence over how doctors practice. Way too much. And it's been that way for uh, 30 years. People don't understand how bad that is. There's a whole I've explained it here before. There's a game they play, and there's no getting around it given the current state of how insurance works. So I, uh, All right. I just um, want to say real, really yeah. quick before we end just how refreshing and relieving yeah. it is to hear Jimmy come across with such nuanced views that are not going one way or the other. He's just said 20 yeah. different things here that yeah. are on no specific yeah. political party. That is, this, I, I love yeah. it. It's amazing. I, I, the, well, I, thank I, you for I'm coming on the show. And as I said, I... Yeah, I, I'm totally with you. I, that's why I was interested in talk to Jimmy. As Patton Oswald, I think, said, "As you piss everybody off," and that's good. That's right. That's where you should be, <laughs> exactly. because because nobody's got it right right now. It, it's it's all over the place, and we need. That's why I was sort of intrigued by RFK. I'm not sure I'm on board with his stuff, but some of the things he's saying, it's like, well, that's a very different different way to approach all this, and we kind of need a new approach. And I hope I hope it at least you pull the curtain back for people a bit. Uh, you know, may, maybe they don't go all the way where you're at, but if you can pull the curtain back and make people think, I think that's that's a, a great service. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's really been a pleasure to be on your show, and thanks for getting the word out about uh, COVID. All right, my friend, and uh, you know where to find Jimmy and get the book and the new special. Again, where's the new YouTube special? You no, know, it's it's at my website, JimmyDoor.com. It's called COVID Lies Are Funny. It's ten dollars. Perfect. Go watch it, everybody. Jimmy, we'll see you soon. Everyone else, okay, uh, I believe I will see you. You betcha. I think it is. Oops. Is uh, RFK our next guest, Susan? Is that what's uh, happening Yeah, here? on Monday. On Monday at an earlier time or usual time? Uh, same time, usual, usual time. Three o'clock with Kelly Victory. She's going to help me with <laughs> Robert Kennedy because I don't... You know, on Easter Monday. I'm not super comfortable with all his stuff, but uh, she is and, and they're friends and I will let them I'm go pretty sure. I, oh yeah, there it is. Three yeah. o'clock. Uh, Thomas him. Binder coming in, interesting guy. He's a we have a Swiss doctor that was put in a psychiatric hospital for his for his COVID blues beliefs. Oh, no. uh, and Naomi Wolf, uh, 18th, and uh, Asim Malhotra with Dr. Kelly Victor on April 25th. See you on Monday. Uh, that's a different day because we're traveling the latter half of the week. Monday, three o'clock with Robert F. Kennedy Jr. See you then. Ta-ta. Ask Dr. Drew is produced by Caleb Nation and Susan Pinsky. As a reminder, the discussions here are not a substitute for medical care, diagnosis, or treatment. 
This show is intended for educational and informational purposes only. I am a licensed physician, but I am not a replacement for your personal doctor and I am not practicing medicine here. Always remember that our understanding of medicine and science is constantly evolving. Though my opinion is based on the information that is available to me today, some of the contents of this show could be outdated in the future. Be sure to check with trusted resources in case any of the information has been updated since this was published. If you or someone you know is in immediate danger, don't call me, call 911. If you're feeling hopeless or suicidal, call the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You can find more of my recommended organizations and helpful resources at drdrew.com help. Thank <laughs> you.